0: Three for the win. He hits it. The three for the win NBA podcast brings you the latest team and player analysis from around the NBA. Welcome to another episode of the 3 for the Win NBA podcast. As always, I'm your host, Pete Toll. In today's episode, we are previewing the 2021-2022 Cleveland Cavaliers season. So jumping right into the episode, I wanted to recap the 2021 2020 2021 NBA season and just kind of give an overview of what the Cavaliers look like. Last season, they were 22-50. Uh, they were 13th in the Eastern Conference. Offensive rating, 28 28- 8th in the league. Defensive rating 25th. They gave them a net rating of 28th out of 30 in the NBA and looking kind of at how the team looked right out of the gate you had Kevin Porter Jr. kind of get in his troubling off season where the team had to suspend him and then they traded him. He flourished with the Rockets and then you look at um, just kind of how the the team fared overall and looking at kind of what they got throughout the James Harden trade the Cavaliers obviously were involved they got Jared Allen without having to give up much um they realized that Andre Drummond just wasn't going to work out for them that Jared Allen was the center that they kind of wanted to not necessarily build around but you know use as a building block to formulate you know a quality team and you didn't really have Kevin Love because his back was injured for most of the year offensively you had Colin Sexton who was able to really increase his scoring level uh, Darius Garland showed flashes and with Collin Sexton, a lot of people wondered, was he going to be able to be a playmaker? Well, he didn't really have to be last season. Like, he improved in that area, but he didn't have to be the lead playmaker. Uh, Colin Sexton did average 24 points, 4.4 assists, um, shot the ball decently well, 37% from three. But Garland, to me, was just as impressive and doesn't necessarily get the hype. Um, he actually shot almost 40% from three, 17 points a game, six assists. I think that's pretty solid considering Garland's more of a scoring guard as well, but can adapt into a playmaking role. I like Garland going forward. I think with Colin Sexton, um, the extension is looming for him and he might be a trade piece, especially at the trade deadline uh, for the Cavaliers. Um, Also last season who showed flashes that I like was Isaac Okoro. Now offensively, he doesn't give you a lot. Only average 9.6 points a game. Shot just under 30% from three. Not really an off threat but his you know versatility on defense is something that I like he can play the shooting guard he can guard ones he can guard threes not really great at guarding fours but I think he could do it in a small pinch if it's a small ball lineup um and last season that was kind of all I really saw that I like as far as the team goes now I did like now he's no longer with the team Larry Nance Jr. because I, I felt like he was a Swiss Army knife that kind of kept everything all together um but as I said, he's not there. He was traded. Uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Um, starting this off season, kind of what kicked off the off season was the draft. Of course, the Cavaliers had a third pick. They drafted center power forward Evan Mobley. In drafting Evan Mobley, the Cavaliers basically being the third overall pick, you're going to start. So then, you know, the initial thought was, okay, well, they may not bring back Jared Allen or Jared Allen may be a You know, trade piece that they can um utilize to maybe get some help on the wing or whatever they're you know, whatever they want to do. But then they went out in free agency and re-signed Jared Allen to a five-year hundred million dollar contract. That threw up a lot of red flags for the team because then that means Mobley's gonna be a power forward. Now Mobley is pretty skinny, so I think with his ability to stretch the floor and just his weight um, you know, deficiency, because he's gotta get stronger, he there's no way. Way he's going to be able to bang with centers in the NBA and stay completely healthy. Um, I think that they're the Cavaliers thinking is that Mobley can stretch the floor and then Jared Allen can rim protect and rebound and hustle and things like that. And they could play together. You know, we have yet to, to know obviously, but I think that that means that Kevin Love, obviously if he wasn't already an afterthought for the Cavs, now he's really an afterthought. Uh, he's not really able to stay healthy um, completely. I would like to see Kevin Love go to a contender to. Finish out his career, um, whether it be a Portland. Um, somehow he gets to the Lakers, something like that. That's you know what I would like to see. But Kevin Love's not going to be able to be traded because his contract is too big. Then he's not really going to give money back in a buyout either. So they're kind of at a stalemate to where I don't know that anything's going to happen anytime soon. Maybe as the season wears on um, and Kevin Love's role is not that you know big. Um, the other offseason move that the Cavaliers made: Torian Prince was traded for Ricky Rudy. Rubio that gave the Cavaliers the ability uh, getting Ricky Rubio to have another playmaker that's experienced behind Darius Garland uh, to push Garland in a way that he can improve in areas of defense um, passing just kind of decision making things like that I love that move for them Um, they also got Kevin Pangos um, who we'll talk about in a minute um, you know to help them from the standpoint of you know point guard play and you could see Ricky Rubio dealt at the trade deadline, I think, to a contender if not earlier, um, once he's able to kind of help uh, Garland get acclimated a little more because I don't feel like Pangos got brought over to be a strictly third string guard all season, but we'll see what happens there. And then lastly, the big move uh, that the Cavaliers made, it was a head-scratching move, but um, they bring in another power forward. They get Laurie Markkinen, who was kind of really pushing to get out of Chicago. He didn't want to go back. Uh, He got a four-year $67 million deal. It was a sign and trade. Now the Cavaliers had to give up Larry Nance Jr. They ended up moving him to Portland. And then Chicago got Derek Jones Jr. and Laurie Markinen ends up in Cleveland. Um, I don't know. I, I like it from the standpoint because Markinen gives you three point shooting. If he's healthy, um, you know, he's versatile enough on that offensive end that you know he could score in the mid range and shoot threes. He just doesn't rebound great and doesn't play great defense. So I don't know with Evan Mobley there, you're now putting someone else to kind of squeeze in playing. Time um, and kind of figure out what you're going to do um, in that sense. So I don't know really with Markin and how um, overall he's going to fit. I think he comes off the bench as the sixth man um, because I feel like they really push Evan Mobley to be the starter um, and then you know kind of work from there. Uh, I don't see there's any way that Markin really starts, um, and I like him off the bench because then it takes the pressure off of him as a starter how to fill in the role with Colin Sexton and the scoring role, like at least on the second unit, you know, Rubio is going to pass. He can score if he needs to, but he's mostly going to pass. Um, and then marketing can kind of be your go-to, you know, option on that second unit and just kind of build from there. Um, I, I like marketing in this situation, but not necessarily long-term for his value. I think maybe a year, year and a half, and then they end up moving him to a better situation for him. And then it kind of unclogs the roster a little bit um, for the, the, um, for the front court. So um, let's look at the depth chart now that we've kind of gone through what they did in the off season. So obviously just like last season, the starting point guard is going to be Darius Garland. Um, I think Darius Garland is going to have a fantastic season. I think he bumps up uh, his assist a tiny bit more. He's just more efficient. Maybe he averages around the same point, 17 points, but he's more efficient with it. Um, I think that he already improved on his finishing. And as a playmaker, um, I think he takes another leap forward as far as being a playmaker, um, getting to the rim and making good decisions. um, He is only 22, so he's still got a lot of room for improvement. And with Garland, I think, you know, you kind of have to look at he's going to be, in my opinion, the guy that gets, you know, obviously the keys. And um, I, I feel like Sexton's going to be the guy that gets moved. I mean, I could be totally off, but I feel like Sexton would be the one you move. You kind of balance the roster a little more. Um, you see what you have in Mobley. Um, you know, you see if there's any improvement in Allen offensively and Okoro, Okoro offensively. Um, and then you go from there. Um, backing him up, as I mentioned earlier, is Ricky Rubio, who is a phenomenal playmaker. Um, You know, one of the best passers in the NBA, high level IQ, a veteran in the locker room that can help especially with decision-making and playmaking. Um, Really like him in that backup role for this young team just to kind of help Darius Garland a little more. (coughs) And then third string, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, Kevin Pangos comes over um, from Zenit, St. Petersburg, um, where he played last season. Um, He's also on the Canadian national team. Uh, for anybody that's not you know aware of, of who he is um, a good score um, loves to pass good playmaker he averaged 13 and a half points 6.6 assists um, last season uh, shot it pretty well 39 percent in the EuroLeague I'd expect around 36 percent in the NBA um, which is decently well uh, good free throw shooter 84 and a percent you know he is six foot one 180 uh, very good IQ very good instincts um, defensively is where I'm going to want to see if he's able to um, kind of keep up with the NBA speed. Uh, He did average 0.7 assists uh, for his five seasons overseas. So maybe that does translate decently to the NBA, um, but we still have to kind of see how that goes. But I eventually think that Ricky Rubio will get moved and then Pangos will get moved up. And then from the G League, they'll bring in somebody to be that third string guy eventually uh, to the team, kind of like they did with Jeremiah Martin Last season, so we'll see kind of what happened there. And then shooting guard, um, Colin Sexton all the way. I talked about him earlier, the twenty-four points. He's a score first guy, doesn't really pass it, you know, a ton like a point guard, like some kind of thought that he would be in the NBA. He did average four assists, which is good for the shooting guard spot. Um, so he's capable. It's just he's a score first guy, and so I wouldn't expect him to do a lot of playmaking, especially with Garland there. Um, and then backing him up potentially potentially if healthy, I think the plan was for Dylan Windler to kind of take the backup shooting guard spot because he's a, a good shooter. Um, and then a good rebounder at Belmont, but it, he hasn't been able to show anything on the floor because he's been injured constantly, um, throughout the season. So that really pushed the Cavaliers to make a move, um, to go and fill the shooting guard or the backup shooting guard spot, which they did. They get Denzel Valentine from the Chicago Bulls, um, six, Valentine likes that little drive-in and floater kind of from the 12-foot, you know, area. Um, he likes that. And then he's an okay three-point shooter, only 33% last season. Um, a lot of people get confused and think that he's this knockdown three-point shooter. And man, the the Cavaliers got a sniper. No, that's not Valentine's game. Valentine's first instinct is to drive with that floater every single time. And then if he's open, um, he can knock it down, you know, decently, like I said, at 33 um, 94% from the line last season was a season high, but he doesn't get to the line very often. Like I said, he settles for that mid range floater and it's kind of so far out that it doesn't really draw any contact with anybody inside. So it's kind of unique a little bit, um, you know, as a, as a part of his game, but he's going to be the backup shooting guard, I think. And then he'll be kind of in a battle with Windler once Windler is 100% healthy, um, for that spot. And then you look at kind of just how the roster shakes out, and they had Damian Dotson, but they kind of moved on from from him. So, you know, there's not a lot there um, shooting guard-wise. Now, they do have a two-way spot open, and looking at kind of two of the guys that could potentially fill that role, um, you have RJ Nimhard, and then you've got Kyle Guy. Um, A lot of people are familiar with Kyle Guy because he played with Sacramento on a two-way last year. Um, They also have Broderick Thomas bringing back on a two-way as well. He will play play the two-guard spot. Um, Showed flashes last season. Broderick Thomas did. um, And so I wonder if that's kind of what they go with there um, as the emergency shooting guard. Thomas didn't shoot it that great from three, but he showed flashes of being able to play make in a pinch and then kind of his mid-range shot. Um, He was a little bit nervous shooting the ball, I think, because I don't think he was like 100% thrown into the best situation. It's like, all right, here's some garbage minutes. Go make a play. Um, I think in a pinch he could – potentially um you know get on the floor um but I look at a guy like uh Kyle Guy to kind of win that last spot and Guy's virtual enough that he could play point guard and shooting guard and we know he can shoot and fill it up pretty quickly um so we'll see what happens with that other two-way spot but Broderick Thomas for now has the first two-way spot um looking at the small forward spot and you have Isaac Okoro in there um Isaac Okoro is not a good shooter um Uh, He had a net negative offense, um, you know, numbers. And, you know, you got to look at how that balances out. Okay, you've got Colin Sexton that can score, doesn't really play defense. So then Okoro kind of cleans up on defense. Really, really good, uh, you know, defender. Um, The numbers didn't really reflect as a team. But I think, um, you know, individual defense, I think Okoro showed enough flashes that it balances out. Now, long term, he's going to have to get up to 33% shooting the three, whether it's even corner threes or something just to give a different look on the offensive end and kind of keep the defenses honest to not sag all the way off. Um, Dylan Windler can also play the backup uh, small forward spot along with Jetty Osman, uh, who's you know able to kind of cut a good passer, not a great shooter, not a good defender. Um, I think they were trying to cut bait with him last season. They didn't really find any deals that they liked um, overall. And that's where I think a guy like Lamar Stevens can come in and steal playing time because Stevens can play power forward and a little bit of small forward um, and his defense was really good his rebounding was above average Um, again not a great shooter but I think that the potential is there I would take on Stevens rather than carrying out another season of Chetty Osman not knowing if he's going to be the Chetty Osman of two years ago where he was decent you know or it was going to be last season where he struggled across the board Um, I like Stevens potential better than even Dylan Windler because Windler just can't stay on the floor. So I don't know what you have necessarily with him um, overall. So that's the kind of small forward spot. Uh, Lamar Stevens also can fit into the power forward spot. Like I mentioned, Um, Evan Mobley is coming in. Like I said, as the third draft pick, Um, he's going to be the starting power forward. Um, He's not a three point threat yet, but he's good in the mid range enough that he can be away from where Jared Allen is. So it's not clogging that same area. Um, He can also score inside, but he's so skinny that i I feel like just the he's going to have to put on muscle and weight because he's going to get pushed around. Um, and some of those moves on offense that he was able to do last season, you know, kind of spinning off of guys and, and putting it in the basket, guys are stronger and faster in the NBA. So the speed is going to have to be um, his calling card necessarily um, <clears throat> on offense. And then defensively is where he's going to have to make his mark. He's going to have to get some weak side blocks. He's going to have to keep his fouls down and he's just going to have to hustle. And I think you're going 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 to see the flashes of defense show before you're going to see a lot of flashes of offense, especially with Garland and Sexton kind of in the backcourt. I think you're going to see Mobley be that third option. And then fourth and fifth is a mix between Okoro not really scoring other than cutting and then Jared Allen kind of getting some putbacks and dunks and things like that. So there's potential there for Mobley to average around 11 points, 12 points um, you know, right out of the gate if um, he comes in uh, and they Run plays for him and things like that. So, I think from the power forward standpoint, you have to put Kevin Love in there, but I would not expect Kevin Love to play a lot. Um, he can obviously stretch the floor. If he's healthy, good rebounder, he cannot defend. Um, you know, I'd expect some nights for him to sit, some nights for him to play 12, 15 minutes a game. Um, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But then you also have Dean Wade there, who's um, pretty much, you know, a worse version of Kevin Love in a sense, but does all the same things that Love does. For for cheaper, so if the, you know, essentially, if the Cavaliers could have moved off Kevin Love or will move off of Kevin Love, um, that would be ideal uh, to get Wade some playing time um, later in the season. Because you know, looking at the Cavaliers, you know they're not going to be one of the upper echelon teams in the East competing for the play-in tournament. It's just not going to happen. So, looking at the center spot, uh, Jared Allen, obviously great defender, good rim protector, um, can get putbacks and dunks. Um, he's 23 years old. Uh, I think he has an improved season next year. I just wonder about the fit next to Mobley long term. Um, we'll have to see what happens. <coughs> with that fit of Allen and Mobley um, and whether they mix in Laurie Markkinen, Um, We talked about Markkinen earlier, so I'm not going to go back into kind of what Markkinen does, but Markkinen is going to be kind of off the bench, staggered with um, maybe even Mobley a little bit at center, if Mobley plays center, and then you've got a little bit of Jared Allen. So he's going to play in a combo mix. So I feel like with, with Markkinen, you know, he essentially could play the power forward spot. Kevin Love could play a little bit of small ball center, so he's not having to... Um, go out on the perimeter and guard power forward some. Uh, I see that as being an option um, there. Um, And Then they have Taco Fall for training camp. Um, I don't think he makes the roster just because there's a glut of big men. They've got uh, Cabangley, who was a first-rounder with the Clippers. Um, He could shoot the corner three a little bit. He's okay defensively. He might be a guy that that doesn't make the roster, and then they keep Taco Fall instead. Um, I could see that as an option because they're not really invested in Kabengle either. Or both of them go, and then Kyle Guy makes it as a two-way, and then you figure out, like, maybe a big man somewhere else um, makes the roster um, if, if they wanted to go that route. So, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that, that roster plays out, but then you've also got to look at J.B. Bickerstaff came in. Um, you know, the defense improved, but the offense didn't really show much, um, but there was also injuries. Um, I don't know looking at how young the roster is, I don't know you know with J.B. Bickerstaff he's there to be the development guy and I think that's good enough but they're going to have to show more on offense than just Colin Sexton you know getting in a pick and roll and then you know scoring on his own and looking at kind of this season let's kind of look at a you know best case worst case scenario best case is that Garland takes a leap and he's a you know top tier point guard in the east not top five but like he could reach the top you know eight necessarily in the east most Mobley comes out, you know, looking really good. Laurie Markkinen stays healthy, and then he's able to shoot the ball well. Um, You know, they could potentially win uh, 27 games on a, you know, best-case scenario. Um, Looking at kind of the worst case, I feel like things don't start out great as far as a fit between Mobley and Allen. Um, Sexton kind of does just what he does, scoring and not much else. Um, And then they end up trading him and move off of him. Um, And then the Cavaliers win 21, 21 to 24 games. Um, I actually have them at 23 wins uh, for my prediction. Um, We'll kind of see what happens. I'm looking more for the development of what they get out of Mobley. What improvements do you get out of Darius Garland? And then Laurie Markkinen, can you resurrect his career? And then lastly, Okoro and Allen, what can they bring you on offense to justify not just being defensive first guys that don't really give you anything offense? I know J.B. Bickerstaff's calling card is defense, but... But I just feel like they've got to be better in that area. And then they've really got to improve offensively um, as well. So looking at it from the standpoint of just kind of how the team shakes out, um, 23 wins sounds good. Um, I don't know. I think 25, 26 might be your maximum that you get if you really squeeze every drop out of the roster. Just the way that, you know, kind of it's constructed. I've seen people go kind of way out there and say that they will be in the play-in. I just don't don't see that with the other teams in the East, um, like Detroit or um, Charlotte, Washington, like you're not better than those teams, at least on paper. Um, so we'll have to see what happens um, overall. But looking at the, the schedule, kind of of how I'm gonna do the team previews moving forward. Um, next up, we have the Detroit Pistons. Um, I feel like they're right there with the Cavaliers. So I kind of wanted to stick with teams that were the lower tiers that I had out of the play in kind of get those teams um, out of the way but that pretty much wraps this episode up i hope you enjoyed the 2021 2022 NBA season preview for the Cleveland Cavaliers if you haven't already please subscribe tell a few friends um, you can find the three for the win NBA podcast on Spotify Google podcast Apple podcast stitcher anchor and a other plethora of podcasting networks um, and please continue to bear with me I'm trying to knock out all 30 teams. So, um, hopefully this week I'll have, you know, at least 15 of the team previews knocked out. Um, my goal is to have them all done by next Thursday. And then that way I can go ahead and do my season preview, uh, prediction episode for the Eastern and Western conference. And then we'll get ready for NBA opening night. Thanks for listening to the three for the win podcast. And I will talk to you next time. This has been the three for the win NBA podcast.